This is Nyamishana's podcast. I am Nyamishana Prudence. March is Women's Month. So, I have decided to take off time and celebrate the awesomeness of African women through the series, My Mother's Story. In this episode, I speak to Leah Erienu as she shares with us the story of her mother, Stella Rose Kongai Erienu. Hi, Leah. Uh, hi, Pruth. Thank you so much for hosting me. Um, I feel very privileged. I've been an admirer from afar. Okay. Uh, so I, f- I feel quite privileged to be hosted on the platform. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but I'm also curious because I never did get a chance um, to ask you this. Why you reached out to me and how you were very specific about wanting me to tell my mother's story. So you are Leah, first of all. Yes. <laughs> uh, someone I admire as well. Uh, very, uh, very well spoken and um, stylish and <laughs> I uh, try. feminist. You're, you're like super cool. So I'm thinking, hmm, okay, let's see where this apple fell from. Ah, yeah. very nice. Mm-hmm. It, it It's really so interesting. I think the universe really does send out vibes because I would like to think that over the last um, three or so years, I have been working very deliberately to kind of restructure my mother's legacy and mm-hmm. thinking more actively about her and the role she played in my life. Yeah. So so it's interesting that then you reached out and I said yes immediately. Even if <laughs> I didn't have time, I was like, yes, this, yeah. this needs to happen. And thank you yeah. for making time for this. Yeah, I'm glad I'm here. So before we talk about your mom, um, briefly, who is Leah? Oh, that you know that is always such a difficult question. Okay, every time <laughs> I tell I tell myself, Pro, you're going to cut this out of the interviews but then i i'm curious to know um um, well i i feel that i am very much um all those things um that you've talked about i describe myself as a feminist that is an identity that is very important um and strong to me and i feel that even in my family circles i am known as that uh Mm. but um, from childhood, I feel that I was always known as the troublemaker, okay. the person and, and troublemaker in the sense that I will not accept. OK, I don't know. We can't swear on this podcast because I guess it's for family. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but basically a person who won't accept to be beaten down. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always asking questions and making the adults uncomfortable. Yeah. So I was a troublemaker in that sense. But it's so it's so bizarre um, that I was a troublemaker at home, but within the school setting, I was such a conformist. Right. I was a prefect my entire life. So <laughs> I was always the one telling people what to do. Not very nice memories now. I look back with shame <laughs> on some of the things I did. So it, it's I, I it's it's interesting to think about that duality mm. um, that I kind of I kind of straddled. Yeah. Um, right now, I'm I'm so privileged and very happy that the the work that pays my bills is also doing feminist work. Yeah. And yes, it it keeps me fierce. It keeps me grounded. Mm-hmm. Uh, it keeps me fueled um, wow. to keep going on every day. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So tell me about your mother. Whatever story you want to tell, this is 
up to you, really. Mm. Oh, wow. So when I was telling my best friend um, about this story, I said, I mean, about your invitation um, to have me tell my mother's story, I told her that I have to come with tissues because <laughs> I, I definitely know that uh, I'll be tearing up. So my mother was a woman named um, Stella Rose Kongai Erienyu. She's a woman that I will say I didn't know a lot. I didn't know very well while she lived. Mm-hmm. And I have only very recently started to retrace and kind of discover who she is and to kind of... You see, the thing is, um, when we grow up and we become adults ourselves, we start... I guess becoming more sympathetic, more empathetic and understanding of our parents and wanting to understand the decisions that they made Mm -hmm. or how they lived. So I'm actually um, turning 33 this year Mm -hmm. and that's the age at which my mother passed. Um, So my mother has been gone for close to 20 years now. So I would say that the bulk of my... So my formative adolescent years um, were without my mother and actually without a parent. Mm-hmm. So and and those years were very critical in forging me into becoming the kind of person that I am, including pushing me to do the kind of work that I do. Yeah. Um, so my memories of her <laughs> vary. Mm. Um, I remember from. From a childhood perspective, I remember a woman who was very tough sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, she was very, very strict about certain things, about when you can watch TV. When you woke up in the morning, you needed to present yourself in a certain way. She'd say, you know, um, take a shower, oil yourself, make sure you look nice. Yeah. <laughs> She's the yeah. kind of person um, that, that, that liked to tell us that. And she also emphasized hard work. Mm. Um, but I also realized that my mother was a, a product of her time and a product of her circumstances. Mm-hmm. I used to be very, very smart in class. I was really top of my class all the time. Mm-hmm. And I was absolute rubbish at housework. Mm-hmm. And I remember many times she'd tell me, I wish you would apply yourself in the home the way you apply yourself in class. Yeah. And and for me at that time, that was not something that necessarily mattered. But, you know, when you grow older and you start having an understanding about how people are socialized, you see how she was actively um, trying to do that. But also, in spite of that, my my mother really, really valued education. So I found out as I grew older that my mother did not go to school. Mm. And I think I found it to be so shocking. As growing up as a child, you don't notice these things. She spoke English. In my, in my, I guess, my child's ear, um, my childhood ear, you know, her English was perfect. And in the Ugandan context, someone who speaks English is someone who went Went to school. school. Yeah. So uh, much later on, uh, I know that she started taking adult classes just to learn how to read and write. Mm. And by that time, I would say that her own children had surpassed her in education attainment in terms of being able to read and write. Mm. And yet she was she was married to a lawyer. Mm-hmm. So a story that I would like to actively investigate is to see how that meeting happened. And I wish I could be a fly on the wall mm-hmm. to see 
the dynamics of, of that relationship. Here you have a woman from Kabera Maido, which mm. most Ugandans will understand is is not the most, you would call it one of our more remote places. Right. Uh, and and um, and she marries uh, this um, this lawyer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I would I would really like to understand how that happened. So uh, much later on, you know, she started taking adult classes that were paid for by my father. Mm. My father was a sole breadwinner. My mom was um, um, worked at home. Mm. So as she was just um, getting that kind of independence that comes from being able to to read the written word and write, then my father passed away. And then that opportunity also vanished. But then that is where all the problems came in. So, you know, you have uh, relatives, you have... Uh, my, my, my father was a civil servant, so, mm. you know, he was entitled to certain kinds of gratuity, going to government office. So one of my earliest memories of worked, working actively with my mother was going to the office, oh, the office of the administrator general. So she was the administrator of my father's estate. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they give you uh, um, some money, um, but she couldn't read. Mm -hmm. So I remember this was me in P5, P6, walking with her, that journey, and having to deal with things that were beyond my years. It reminds me of um, sometimes when I hear stories of immigrants in the US yes, and how they have to go with their parents to the clinic, to, mm-hmm. to different places um, uh, because their parents can't speak English or things like that. Mm-hmm. So I feel that I, I, I got that responsibility quite early, in it, but I, I, I feel that it also made me, I would say, a greater partner and a greater companion um, of my mother. Mm. Yeah. So every time I think about her, I think about the opportunities that were denied her, mm. that I was, that I have been able to, um, to access. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I also think about how, in spite of the very many things that then happened after my father passed away, how she was actually able to hold fort and keep her family together. Mm. And of course, when she died, then everything kind of um, fell apart. Mm. But she, she's, she's that strong figure in my memory. And I, 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 I now actively work to describe myself as my mother's daughter instead of my father's daughter. Because mm. growing up, I always fashioned my dreams around what my father was. He was a man that I greatly admired. Actually, I always thought that if I were to marry or if I were to date a man, they had to be like my dad. They had to be a man who dresses very well and wears suits all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was my that was my ideal. I, I even wanted to be a lawyer. It was a foregone conclusion mm-hmm. that I'd be a lawyer. So that did not happen. <laughs> uh, but some members of my extended family still think um, that I'm a lawyer. And now I keep thinking about fashioning myself um, around what my mother was. I just think about the kind of strength she must have had. Yeah. First of all, to be in my head now and with understanding uh, about gender and power dynamics that I have, obviously mm. a very skewed relationship. Yeah, One person went to school, is a sole breadwinner, you did not even have an education. Mm-hmm. And then once that person passes, you have all these patriarchs trying to come in and control the resources and you're kind of like that one barrier between them coming and stealing your children's future mm-hmm. completely and, and standing up 
to them and in mm-hmm. many instances she stood up to them yeah so do you want how. to like uh, give us a bit of detail of what happened because it's like a really good example of what many mothers go through um even up to today when their spouse dies um now i wish i'd i'd ask more pointed questions of my sisters so that then they can remember some stories um what i do know is that there was an estate there was quite a bit of money that was obviously um supposed to be used to educate all of us so mm-hmm. first of all we are a total of seven girls wow <laughs> yes <laughs> so there's never enough money to educate and remember um by the time my father died my youngest sister who's um who's now um 24 was actually 3 years old okay yeah so you imagine having to educate somebody like base and and this is just one out of seven mm-hmm. that's a lot of money mm-hmm. you'd have to have a really big estate so dear type thing in order to be able to do that um comfortably mm-hmm. so what i know is that uh whatever pension um whatever gratuity that came to the government from the government disappeared so quickly yeah um and what we later on found out is that there were very many le- relatives that would come and borrow money but there were there was no record and i think she always felt that pressure um but also one incident that i remember so well and this had nothing to do with property but this was an example of relatives now trying to come and assert themselves in the home of their brother like oh, it's my brother's house so i make mm-hmm. the rules i remember very clearly and we laugh about this now but it wasn't funny at the time my uncle came to visit and i think and and he was he came to the he came to visit us with his wife so his wife is preparing for him his water for bathing you you, you can picture that scenario <laughs> like yeah. very traditional mm-hmm. very traditional man but then my sister also wanted to take a shower so she went um i, I don't think she even really knew that they were preparing for him to, to take a bath mm. so she went to to take a bath instead and um i think the wife went ran and told him oh you know i was going to put for you water but mm-hmm. but now this girl so he saw it as disrespect mm. and he came he went i remember him harvesting that's really the word i'll use harvesting this massive stick <laughs> massive stick is like i'm going to show you today i'm going to beat you up and my mother um came literally to the defense of my sister and she said you are not going to beat my, child. my child yes and in an african setting that is such resistance mm-hmm. and remember this this was actually like the brother of of her husband not like just even some distant relative yeah. so there is a certain level of respect that you're supposed to accord them and ju- you know just let them come and go mm-hmm. so i remember that evening uh, we sat down as a family actually with him and we talked about everything that he's been doing wrong yeah. you did this you did this and i remember that there were just so many tears but of course that did not necessarily resolve mm. um the situation but i remember that so clearly and of course when my mother finally died it was an opportunity for people to swoop in you imagine if you've accumulated property in a house from the time you were a child mm. um um and then all of that property the beds the cupboards like can you imagine everything that's in a house like mm. gets taken to storage somewhere and you never ever see it again oh like goodness. the play everything mm-hmm. like that was our experience as a family so when my mom died we had to leave 
Kampala, first of all, mm. and start a completely new life, <laughs> a completely new life mm -hmm. in someone else's house, far away from everything and far away from everything that was um, familiar to us. But yeah, I do remember the property disappearing, but mm. the important assets I would say remained, you know, the house remained, the pieces of land remained. And those are the things that we eventually got back to and were able to scrap money from to be mm. able to complete, to complete school. school. Otherwise, mm. that would never have been a possibility. Mm. So as an adult now, I understand the importance of being, especially if you're having children, the importance of creating wealth. Mm. Mm. That is, you know, that is actually something weighty. So a piece of land is really, really helpful. Yes. And, and for us, what my dad had emphasized in his will was that everything could only, could only be sold for education. So mm. there was no other reason. There was no other emergency that was important enough for you to be able to to warrant the dispo disposition of, of an asset. Everything mm. had to be. Mm. Yeah. So because we're so many, literally everything is finished because <laughs> yeah. all of us, all the seven of us have mm. been educated and graduated from university. Wow. Which is also a form of resistance, I would say, yes. because that is, first of all, that's not the story of many Ugandans, just mm -hmm. generally, that is certainly not the story of many Ugandan women. And that is definitely not the story of many U of Ugandan women who have been orphaned and for whom you could see um, relatives were actively trying to sabotage. You know, those like sometimes you think that um, perhaps you are overthinking things or you're just being paranoid. But, you know, people were happy when you failed. They're like, oh, they're just like us now. Yeah. Oh, so you thought... You were special. Mm. You were over there in the city. You were wealthy. Mm -hmm. Now this has brought you down to... So would have comments like, you don't behave like orphans. So basically, you're supposed to make yourself small, make your voice small and contort yourself and show how poor mm -hmm. and desperate you are. So you're not supposed to speak your mind. Mm. Speaking your mind is for people with money and privilege. Oh, how dare you? people with parents. Yes, people with parents, exactly. People mm. to defend them. How dare you? Like... Th that has been taken away from you. So mm -hmm. please behave like orphans. I will never forget being told you that. You know what, Leah? It's a yeah. shame how Ugandans treat orphans. Yeah. Many times, um, I, I grew up in the village, uh, but many times we saw kids coming back to the village. Kids of Kampala. Like, you know, you know how the village is? Yeah. And so... Christmas time, Kampalans have special seats, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> then suddenly kids, because their parents are gone. We are talking about kids of pilots, kids of, you know. And then they would be treated like crap. Yeah. Yeah. And what you're saying exactly, I, I, I would see some of the kids. It was like, like falling from grass exactly to grass and everyone they would say oh they don't even know how to wash their panties or yeah they, like like the village would turn against yeah them because there's because there's, of, there's, mm. there's so much value and social capital that actually comes from having money yeah and once that goes mm -hmm. you are absolutely nothing right and people are happy to see you crumble, <laughs> crumble and get down and to be their like level them. exactly yeah so it, it, um, it's such a shame, really. Mm. It's such a shame, really. Yeah. 
And so my purpose of telling these stories, these little nuggets of stories of amazing African women like your mother who had little time with you guys, but yet made a very great impact. I, f I feel they're important in our history. Absolutely. I think about, I think everything that I am is is definitely because of her. I think about um, this quote by Ijioma um, Umebuino. I'm so sorry. I butchered that name. I know. I, I apologize. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Um, it, it's something like, and, and I might just be paraphrasing, um, something about um, they didn't tell you that the women whose feet you cut off would give birth to daughters mm -hmm. with wings. And I relate to that story, I mean, to that quote mm. so viscerally because I keep thinking in in my mother's in my mother's dreams for herself, I don't think she could have imagined um, a life such as the one that I'm living for herself. Yeah. Um, but her daughters, in spite of all the disadvantages that she faced, actually her daughters have 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 been able have to like surpass expectations. Uh, yeah. And you have to realize, like, I think what knocks the air out of me mm. is thinking how recently my mother was born. And the fact that she did not have an education, like hmm. my mother was not born in the thirties. <laughs> what year she was, was not she born? born? In, she was born in the sixties. Uh -huh. So a lot of women who were born in the sixties were went actually a, exactly like a lot of my peers hmm. have parents, have mothers who went to school. But my mom, and for her, she knew the reason was actually it wasn't that it was because of poverty. It was just that it's because she was a girl. Mm -hmm. It was that simple. Yeah. So many times when I hear things about, oh, you know, we've rounded the curve. It's it's the way p people make the analogy to the civil rights movement. Say, hey, by the way, you guys, like these things were not so long ago. Like we've just gotten these freedoms. Right. So to, to, to know that even the privilege of going to school for girls is just very recent. Mm -hmm. Like I feel that the, the conversation about... um girls overtaking boys uh it is so immature uh, yeah. it is so premature yeah. rather not yeah. immature so premature mm. because we are not yet even close mm. not yet even close like look um um they shared there's a story in the observer i think about two days ago about a hundred thousand girls uh being pregnant during the the covid yeah yeah like lockdown. like during the lockdown mm. like that already shows you, I know that the government has put up some extreme, non, extremely nonsensical policy about p punishing boys and saying, oh, if the girl has been removed from school, the boy should also not, the boy who's, who, who contributed to the pregnancy <laughs> should also not be in school. Mm. But that is just really stupid. It, mm. Like what we should be looking is to an, integrate and make sure that both learners are in school. Yeah. But they were like, oh, we need to discriminate fairly because girls were being expelled and all were being told to take time off school. Mm. Let's make sure that we do the same, um, the same for boys. Mm. Um, yeah. So for me, every time I think about my mother, um, in those terms, like I'm just really struck. So one of the ways that um, I'm thinking through 
her legacy. So I started like a side business making feminist merchandise. <laughs> <laughs> I sell t-shirts uh, mostly and, and the business is called Kongai. Okay. And it's named after my mother. Uh, that's her maiden name. And I'm very deliberate, de deliberate in elevating her name because my name is Erienu, which is my father's name, hmm. or my sister's. And it has always been Erienu's daughter, Erienu's daughter. And hmm. I'd like it to become Kongai's daughter and that any success that I achieve can also be attributed to my mother. I'm trying to find the legacy of my mom. Especially in, in, in like saying, my name is Nyamshana, mm. daughter of Mary, uh, Mary, daughter of so-and-so. So have you tried to find like um, Kongai, daughter of so-and-so? I, I would love to, but I, I haven't yet gone down that path mm -hmm. um, actively. So first of all, I'll, I'll just say like... I, I simply don't even know my extended family very well, yeah. <laughs> even on my dad's side. Mm. And and usually that's the side that uh, a lot of people know. Um, but it's definitely, it's definitely something that I should do. I always dream about this family tree mm. and uh, at least to some regard um, on my dad's side, I can name I can look at three grandmothers mm. and three grandfathers. I, I mean, like great uh, grandmother, grandf mm -hmm. great grandfather and things like that. On my mother's side, I know nobody. Mm. Um, I have, uh, we have a, uh, a relationship with some of our cousins, mm -hmm. but we've actually never s sat down to try and find out information. As women end up as misses. Musao, Mrs. Somebody, or daughter of so and so, or Mama, um, Mama Junior, or whatever. Yes. So there was my mom's best, really good friend. She passed away last year, and I did not know her name because her wow. name was Mama Bright. Oh my goodness! So I go to. Namirembe where the funeral was supposed to take place. So I think I got stuck in traffic. But I uh, reached there and I didn't know whose funeral it oh was. Oh my God. Is it... Who do oh I Oh my God. Because you can't ask Mama... Oh my goodness. Yeah. So do you see the oh, erasure? Yeah. So women are very powerful just like your mom yeah or, and the moms i have documented so far they play an important role in building nations you know fighting invisible battles yeah. yet they never make it to history books no they they they're they're just a footnote which um actually i, I have a very recent um incident also of um so um we we had a memorial service for both my parents um i think about two years ago mm. and during the preparation oh this time we really had to fight and it's as if you almost even in terms of the speeches that were being given you almost always had to say because it's oh these are Arianu's daughters and you almost had to constantly fight to say that Irenio like oh or not exactly not even just that but even for the <laughs> memorial service because yeah. where she's buried 
in her husband's village. Mm. Remember, mm-hmm. you leave. Remember, the understanding is like you leave everything else behind, and then you go and you start a life with this with this man and then his family. So even at the um, the memorial service that was for both of them, mm. Ariane was still getting more <laughs> more coverage. And we're saying this thing is for the both of them. And, right. and that constantly, that constantly annoyed me. Yeah. Yeah. I, so there are these things that we remember our mothers for. Yeah. Like, for instance, I can't forget my mom's last words to me. She said, Out of the small comes big things. Mm. That's what, like, I didn't know they were la- her last words to me. Yeah. But she, I remember she was seated across the dining table and I was fussing and ideas like I'm always doing. And then she's like, And then also the way she didn't know how to like tell me about sex or <laughs> like yeah. I, I, I sometimes then she would bring me clothes. Yeah. Uh, I think as a teenager, she, she, she brought me in her room and brought those baby pictures, cute pictures of me. And she told me, Look, you look very beautiful. Don't you, don't you look <laughs> so she didn't know how like to tell Aww. me about yeah. But she had her then also when I'm like missing her very much, yeah. I think about those funny, awkward moments that she's so sweet. So sweet. And then I smile at myself. Yeah. So what are those moments about your mom mm. that just are with you? So if if we're um, to talk about sex, I actually don't have this memory, but my sisters say that it happened. Um, that my mom uh, actually sat us down one time and told us about sex, and encouraged us to use condoms. Oh, like and with the kind of person that she is, I can't even imagine <laughs> how that conversation happened. But my older sister, who obviously has um, a better memory um, of things, said that that was something. Um, Something that she did. Yeah. If I remember the last, um, because I was in boarding school and uh, I guess I would say that I don't even have as many moments as I would like have liked to have with my mother. Mm. I remember, so my mom died when I was in S1. And you know, when you've gone to S1, that's also like another... Uh, it's a big step. Phase. Yeah, it's a big step of your life. It's it's a completely uh, new growth journey. Mm-hmm. So I'll say that I spent a lot of time with my mom in my uh, P7 vacation. Mm-hmm. At least that was uninterrupted. In those days, P7 vacation used to be quite long, I remember. Mm. And I can say that during that time is when I learned how to cook. My mom was such a drama queen. Mm. If you made food <laughs> that she didn't like, she'd just be like, okay, now you, you want to kill me, just bring me tea. <laughs> to learn how to I remember that I, I that's when I learned how to mingle posho because mm. I just remember that it was so hard like um you you make it and then it will be like too squishy like that's how you know that and in these days now I, I also have the same standards yeah. um so I can say that I learned how to cook mm-hmm. I remember I remember so clearly the very last Christmas dress that she bought me I don't know if this is still a tradition for people that they get dresses at Christmas. 
Um, but that used to be a thing that my dad would do. Mm. And I remember that this time it was my mom um, that did it. And I remember that I really, really liked the dress. Yeah. But the very last things that we did together that I remember so actively was shopping for my S1 um, um, for me to go to Namagonga. So mm. this was like a huge, huge dream fulfilled. Mm. Um, so like looking for the outfits. At this time, my dad was already dead. Um, so there wasn't as much money. Um, but, you know, she was very understanding. I, re I remember she took me to school. I remember that I was wearing this red dress that had flowers um, that she bought for me. So for the other times then, she was already too sick. I don't remember her coming back to the school. Mm. I remember the, that was like the first and last time she came to the school. I don't think she even came for visiting day that time. Yeah, so yeah, so then, then she got sick. I'm, I'm sorry, it's, it's just... Yeah, so... And I remember so clearly that day, um, S1, third term, um, were actually coming to the end of the term and it was exam time and we had a chemistry exam um, in the evening, in, in the afternoon, you know how you have, have a paper in the morning and in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And I remember that I was in the chemistry lab um, reading for the for the afternoon paper and then we we call him now the messenger of death <laughs> my cousin came to pick me up and you know you kind of just know they'll they'll tell you oh your your mom is very sick um you know they just want to see you knowing but you just school. but you just know yeah. knowing just know. all kinds of schools. yeah mm. so yeah so so that's how it happened um she was she, yeah she was taken away from us and um i feel really bad for my younger sisters because they they got even less time mm. at least i was 13 i had 13 years of life with her my younger sister was just six and remember my dad had died when she was three so she really grew up without parents and and I feel that anybody for whom that is their experience, then you have a very different outlook on life. Right. There's some things that you always miss because you just didn't have that person to spoil you, that person to guide you, and you grew up in hardship and with sisters for parents. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I do, I do have fond memories of my mother. I wish, and one of the things that I now feel... We got robbed of even father. You know, for some reason, despite the fact that we have phones now and we take a million pictures a day, we don't print our pictures. Mm. And and back in the day when there were fewer opportunities to be able to do that, for some reason, oh, we had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of photos in our photo album <laughs> with my parents, with us, like doing all sorts of things. But you see, the thing is, when you get uprooted from your home because your parents are dead, things get lost. Right. And some of the things that got lost were those amazing photo albums with photos of my mother, photos of, of my dad, doing all sorts of things. So the few that we have, um, I really, really cherish.
yeah but i also remember that <laughs> my mom her standard for smartness was an outfit you could wear to go on a plane. I wish you could. She never did get a chance to get on oh. a plane. I wish you could see how people actually dress <laughs> to go on a plane. Yeah. Well, in her head, I think she imagined that if she ever got that opportunity, mm. she'd wear a suit or something like, just make sure. So her compliment, if she saw that you were dressed really nicely, she said, eh, you can wear that one to get on a plane. Mm. <laughs> because it, it was a, a, a thing that was so out of reach for her. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so you had to make sure that you dress really well yeah. when you finally get the privilege of flying or going across the border. Mm. Yeah, that was my mother. Wow. Yeah. As we come to our close, these days I see a lot of my mother in me. What are those things that you see? <laughs> oh my goodness. I think this would be a better question to ask my sisters. Mm-hmm. But I feel that uh, my face... <laughs> My face, okay, let, let me first say that my dad, I inherited my dad's eyebrows, which means that I did not inherit eyebrows, okay? <laughs> and eyebrows are a big deal. <laughs> Someone's like, who's the parent that did not give me like the right hair just to sit above my eyes? So that's my dad. Um, but I see uh, a lot of my mother in just my physical attributes, uh, my height, uh, just just basically my size. So I'm always like, I feel that her spirit is walking with me. Um, yeah. But I feel that, I think, I think that I was not prepared for that question. I think that it would have been better posed uh, to my sisters. They probably would have been, been able to. No, to, to you make answered a... it very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what, what you have is what you have. Yeah. For instance, I don't have eyebrows and I don't even... Um, I don't even put eyebrow pencil because <laughs> this is my mom. Uh, trust me, I draw them on when I, I get <laughs> so like this, I look uh, funny when I draw them. I feel like I look funny when I draw them on. So I that is my mom. Yeah. When I look at her picture in her thirties like I am. Yeah. This is exactly how she looked. Yeah. I took my mom's but kaweke hair. <laughs> Yeah. But yet, she blessed me with a good skin. Yeah. And so then also, I see things like, um, why was my mom always complaining about bills? <laughs> <laughs> or switch off the lights because she was, uh, they were the ones paying the bills. Yeah. So now when their lights, uh, like, which are just hanging around and you have someone in the house, you find yourself switching. I turn off the lights all the time, by the way. So um, I see a lot of my mother in me. And yeah, so uh, thank you so much, Leah. I don't know if you have anything finally to say. Um, I, I, I really don't have anything, but um, I'm, I'm not a religious person anymore. Um, I am not that spiritual either. And and I hope that this is true. Um, and, and if it's not true, then it's just too bad that when, you know, our people move over into the spiritual realm, that they keep watching over us. Mm-hmm. And I really hope that my mother is proud of me above everything else. Mm-hmm. I hope she sees and she says I did good. And that my daughter is continuing to do good. So 
that's 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 what I really hope for. Okay, as someone who follows your work, <laughs> on behalf of your mom, she is super proud. You make me so proud. Thank you're, you. Thank you're you. You're so put, well put together. <laughs> Look at your hair. Um, there's, there's a time I met you with Sunshine at. Um, at at Mr. Price. Mr. Price, and yeah. And I told Sanjay, this girl is so smart. Because <laughs> so I'm always trying to get on that plane. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to dress to get on a plane the way my mom wanted it to planes, be. You've, you've, <laughs> you, 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 you've just been modest with your introduction. But, I mean, you, you've been everywhere. So, okay. As someone who observes from the business, <laughs> Your mother is definitely proud of you. I hope so. And your, I know your other sister, Sharon. Yeah. She's always looking lovely. <laughs> you know, it's like the Irene sisters just uh, like always dressed for some <laughs> occasion. Really trying to get on the plane, I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, thank and, you so yeah, much Yeah, and for thank sharing. you. Thank you so much. And for, thank you for this is going to be an opportunity for people out there in the world to get to know my mother's name and to get to know her story so this is the first step in in entrenching that legacy and and so that people know that uh in as much as i'm Arianyu's daughter i'm also kongai's daughter wow yeah i guess okay. i can't add anything um to that <laughs> dear listener Thank you so much for listening to Nyamshana's podcast. Uh, please support Leah's shop. Do you have an online shop? I don't have an online shop. I'm a terrible business person. Okay, maybe that's the one thing that I should have said. Mm-hmm. That this, um, um, the idea is that yes, we do have an Instagram. Uh, we have an Instagram account, and my sister runs it. Um, yeah, so you can you can go there. Um, it's called Kongai. K-O-N-G-A-I. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, thank you for listening to Nyamshana's podcast. Until next time, bye-bye.